This is Saving the Game, a Christian podcast about tabletop role-playing games and collaborative storytelling. Recorded Monday, October 5th of 2020, it's episode 187. In this episode, Creepy Crawlies, part of our spooky fall theme, plus a terrifying quarantine hypothetical, ant wars, a bomb-sniffing rat, the value of possums, and more. Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Grant. I'm Peter. And I'm Jenny. And we're back talking about more Halloween-y sort of stuff on an episode that's going to drop actually kind of close to Halloween. I mean, not yeah. Uh, yeah. not right on, but close. That'll be good. Uh, and we're talking about... Should I do the jingle? Go yes. for it. <laughs> creepy crawlers. We're talking about creepy crawlies tonight. <laughs> Jenny, I don't know if you're going to get that one. Absolutely not. Okay, there was a toy back in, like, the 70s and 80s that was like a, okay, the Easy Bake Oven for boys, Mm -hmm. basically, where you poured gel into molds and made, like, little centipedes and spiders Mm. and stuff. Okay. That that was their little jingle. Okay, we we had something similar to that, but it wasn't called that, and I don't remember what it was. It was not super duper on my radar. I mean, that's fair. I mentioned it to Chrissy. Chrissy responded with, oh, like this, and I said, I've never heard of that. (laughs) Grant and I are a bit older than you, and yeah, that was from my childhood, too. I remember seeing TV commercials and stuff. It may also be a regional thing, because Canada has some toys that you guys didn't have, and vice versa, so um, that might be regional. Yeah, I mean, my guess would be both. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because it it didn't last. Well, it lasted a while, but I don't know if it lasted into like the 90s. I I don't remember. Anyway, we're talking about bugs and rats and mice and bats and all the other piranhas and stuff you see on Halloween decorations, basically, is what it comes (laughs) down to. Because, well, it seemed fun and slightly lighthearted, but slightly more interesting. And yeah, we're going to turn it into a thing. Mm -hmm. Yep. I don't have a ton of other news, which is kind of exciting. We can probably hop straight into the topic, uh, at least for me. Anybody else got anything neat going on? I got a thing. Yeah? I've been... Uh, by the way, the first person to say, oh, wait until you have kids, I'm going to punch you. No, I'm not. I'm not going to punch you. I'm just going to be mad about it. I've been sleep deprived for two and a half weeks because of mice living in my ceiling. So this oh, this topic is personal for me right that now. That is awful. As somebody who has kids and has had mice, it's awful. Mm-hmm. Especially when you have mice and cats. Oh, because yeah. Because the cats go nuts. Yeah. The Goblin Queen almost destroyed one of my windows trying to get mm-hmm. to the mice. Because, like, here's the worst part of it. They weren't in the vents. They were in the ceiling. Yeah. Which is, like, 90% insulation because Canada. So, we, we don't A, we don't know how they got in there. We still have yet to find the whole... We've just been, like, putting, like, um, uh, pest-resistant spray foam, like, expanding mm-hmm. foam under all like anywhere that there might be a hole we've been doing that we did finally trap one i suspect there is one more uh That's good. so i i get one more sleepless night of a cat jumping onto the windowsill and prying at the molding around the window mm. in some vain attempt at at getting at the mice which that wasn't where they were at all by the way they were running there apparently there is a tiny like half inch gap which is just big enough yep. uh, underneath each of the um it's not rafters and it's not baseboards 
Is it baseboards? Like the boards that hold up the floor. Floorboards. No, because floorboards are what are. I think you're thinking of like yeah, baseboard ba- heating, like, like the, around the, the edge of the room. Those decorative ones. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 floorboards. Yeah. Floorboards. Yeah, are just what's underneath yeah. the carpet or the, tile or whatever. Yeah, that's the floorboards. Yeah. Uh, th- this isn't that. This is like the things that hold that up. The oh the uh, joists. Joists. Struts. Yeah. I, uh, we call them struts. I don't know. Um, there's literally a tiny gap, so my ceiling is not actually touching those those uh, struts a lot of the time. Mm. So, so you have a slight drop ceiling underneath this, and they're scurrying yeah. along that. Oh, that's yeah. lovely. Uh-huh. We get a, we get them under our cabinets, as mm. you might expect, and mm. yeah, that's always a pain. In fact, we had them acting a little funny. The cats were acting a little funny, staring at the vent and kind of following a sound under the cabinets earlier this week, so I had to mm-hmm. put a trap under the dishwasher. Yep. Anyway, we did trap one. It actually... This is this is kind of awful. We thought it was stuck. It's a live trap, but we thought mm-hmm. it had got, gotten stuck in one of the mechanisms because mechanisms, it would not move. Mm-hmm. It would not get out of the trap. It was awful. Anyway, I think there's only one left. Hopefully just one more sleepless night for me, and then this will be over and done with. So, can I tell you a cool story? Yes. In February of 2016, I just this happened to pop back on my radar. The Reading Museum, the, the Museum of English Rural Life, mm-hmm. had a mousetrap oh! on dis- display. It was a 155-year-old Victorian mousetrap. Yeah. And it sprung into action and caught a rat. <laughs> <laughs> Wowzers. Um, the uh, the device was dubbed the perpetual mousetrap by its inventor, uh, who claimed it would last a lifetime. Turns out, yes. Yeah, really though. <laughs> Several lifetimes, lifetime Victorian. <laughs> yeah. Also, live trap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They uh, they yeah. don't make them like they used to. No, really, they don't make them <laughs> yeah. like they used to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of a, a seesaw kind of mechanism. Uh, it's kind of like what you see on like raccoon traps, that kind of thing. I mm-hmm. think mm. it was kind of a wooden box made like that. So yeah, there you go. Fun factoid for you. I um, don't really have much in the way of news here, so... That's fine. We've complained about pests. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And Jenny, I am 100% with you on the, oh, wait till you have kids nonsense. That's that's the worst response anybody can give you. It's like, yeah. Yeah, that's just kind of cruel. (laughs) Yeah, I I hate it. Yeah, like, I already have a sleep disorder. I don't need another thing. To, right. to mess with my sleep. Or, oh, well, it's not as bad as this other thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, stop it. Yeah, that's All that's so helpful. Like, <laughs> yeah. well, you just lost a finger. You didn't lose your whole arm. It still hurts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> All right. Uh, we should, you know, pull up a Patreon question. We should. Because we've got Patreon questions to read. And, you know, I should probably pull that table up like a smart person who's prepared for this episode. (laughs) So let me go ahead and roll for this, shall I? Yep, let's go. So (laughs) this is from Mike F. Who asks, Would you rather spend two weeks in quarantine with a goblin raised by wolves, a wolf raised by goblins, or two children under three? So oddly prescient question, and also from much earlier in the pandemic than you know, <laughs> the uh, the original submitter probably thought it was going to be. Um, I mean, two children under three is 
painful, but I've done it, or at least I, I've done it one at a time, and I have definitely helped. It's not great, but it's a lot better than a literal wolf or, <laughs> or a goblin literal raised goblins. by a wolf. <laughs> so what yeah, two children of... under three. Should I we define way, right this now? This is somebody writing, going, "I have two children under three. Under three. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel uh, like we should maybe define right here which kind of goblin. Yeah, I was gonna say because if they're the goblins from the Plavathan game, I'll take the wolf raised by goblins because it will act like a friendly family dog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking wargs personally, but. Mm. Oh my. <laughs> Just huh. the size of those would not work in this apartment. Yeah. None of those options would work in my like 650 square foot apartment though. <clears throat> you know what? It's two weeks. Regardless, it's gonna be bad. I'd take the two kids under three. Yeah, I so can, would I. I those can are at do least it. human. I work I <laughs> I used to work with kids a lot. And you know what? I may not enjoy it all the time, but I'm actually good at it. I could do it. I could do that. I'm not a dog person either. Like, like oh no, I'm not any either. sort of dog being. I don't want in my house. I love other people's dogs. I like visiting dogs once a month. <laughs> yeah, like oh, that's a cute dog that I see out here yeah. in the street. Like, if I go in a house with dogs, ew, gross. But, like, a street dog that's well-behaved sitting next to someone at a cafe, oh, it's so cute, right? Mm. It, it's such a handsome boy. But yeah. as soon as I go in a house that smells like dogs, I'm like, oh, right, this is awful. Yeah. I, I, I like, like dogs. dogs. In, I grew up with dogs. But I like dogs in concept, but in practice, it's... Uh, it's the smell and, like, the, the hand the need, oil. The neediness. Yeah, I, well... Oh, man. And I say this as, like, someone with one of the neediest cats in the universe, but, like, yeah. dog neediness is different. It has a different feel. We have tried twice to have a dog, and it has failed horribly both times. We are just not suited for it. Okay, well, like I said, I, I grew up with dogs, but I'm still not going to take the wolf raised by goblins, because <laughs> they're going to encourage all of its most ferocious behavior, and... I don't want to be trapped in some place with something like that for a couple of weeks because it will kill me. Um, <laughs> the, the human children will probably not, though, so I'll take my punishment and deal with those. Yeah, I can give you tips. They're fine. Okay, well, Mike, that was a horrible question. <laughs> and by that, I mean a good question that put us in a horrible conundrum. Yeah, <laughs> not that horrible. It's, it's fine. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, okay. you know, right. putting real, the, real the quick, humans at the you. end is kind of, gave us kind of an out, you know? <laughs> to give you some idea of what two children under three is actually like, though, I was visiting a friend pre-outbreak. They were taking care of another family member's three-year-old because it was the first time that they'd been out of the house. It's like, no, two-year-old, I think. Yeah, two-year-old. And I wake up in the guest room with my dad instinct going off. Oh, no. Okay. And, you know, we've got our kids there. So I'm like, is is my four-year-old okay? What's going on? So I, I come out and I look and I hear this clump, clump up the steps. And I look down and the two-year-old has slipped out of his out of his bed, grabbed an adult's, gone downstairs. Okay. That's the first part, right? Because that's scary. Gone downstairs, 
grabbed one of the adult's shoes and is clomping up the steps at 3 a.m. in adult shoes, barely not falling backwards down the steps. I make a lunging oh, no. dive and I am doing like the hanging over the cliff with one arm holding the <laughs> child dive at the top of the steps as the child finally falls backward. <laughs> at which point I knocked on our, you know, our host's door and said, this is yours. I'm going back to bed. Oh, wow. Um, side, side story related to this. Uh, my cousin, Andrew... There are stories in my family about him as, like, toddler, like, pre-two-year-old, just, you know, being awake in the middle of the night, not crying, not anything, like, like, just sort of, you know, hanging out in the living room or or hanging out in his parents' bedroom and just, you know, being a one-and-a-half-year-old. And they'd be like, how is he getting out of his crib? So they they just, you know, stayed outside of his door with, like, the, the door slightly cracked and just watched, and he managed... <laughs> He would just, he just got used to this. He managed to hoist himself out of the crib and just tip over and land directly on top of his head. <laughs> oh, yes. no. And not cry at all. Just be like, I guess pain is the price to pay for getting out of the crib. Yes. <laughs> and then just, just do, do whatever these, you wanted. They do wow. these things. It's it's delightful, like it's genuinely hilarious, and yeah. it makes wonderful stories, yeah. and it's absolutely terrifying. Yes. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah. I. Oh, and you you know I've shared stories from our four year old about the things he said. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah, I remember a, a, a video game story that I found slightly alarming involving <laughs> your four year old. And a torch and a plan. (laughs) And poor Hyrule. Yes. (laughs) Oh, Jenny, did you see that one? I did, I did. Oh, good. Yeah. All right, so real quick, just for for those who didn't hear this, uh, four-year-old's been trying his hand at Breath of the Wild. And he's not good at it, but that's mostly because he gets distracted. Yeah, so four-year-old running around Breath of the Wild, right? with a flaming boko club that he's set on fire and Chrissy just hears from the living room ah, 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 now time for my plan <laughs> and it's just, what understand this is a this is a boy who realized he was out of arrows went to Kakariko village bought bomb arrows and made it all the way out the door before the lure of bomb arrows set in and he started shooting everything <laughs> oh no <laughs> he's four um, and it's delightful and it's extremely funny and also very frustrating because then he goes mom i'm out of arrows can you fix this nope <laughs> uh anyway good times mike great question delightful we appreciate it yeah that was uh, fun <laughs> if you want to get your own questions in or you want to support us on patreon you can do that patreon.com slash saving the game Little as a dollar a month helps you get, you know, questions in. You get show out, uh, outline access. You get uh, fancy colors in our Discord. And, of course, there are other tiers for other rewards, which are always a delight as well. And these really help us out a ton. They pay for editing. They pay for hosting and a whole lot more. And if we can get, like, probably 30 more dollars, we might, like, that would actually bump us up significantly enough we could pay for an extra round of editing. Mm-hmm. 
which, which would mean that I wouldn't have to open or I wouldn't have to do editing anymore and I could start doing the blog post weekly instead of every other week. So. Yes, things like that. So, yeah, we're not that far away. It's, it's pretty yeah. cool. Actually, I think it's closer to 20 bucks, not 30. Um, yeah. I think it was the 110 uh, tier, um, and we're at like 89 right now. So. Uh, it was 110, 120, something like that. I couldn't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. Anyway, it's exciting. So, mm-hmm. let's see. Uh, we're, we're not that far away, and we're looking forward to it. All right. Let's do our scripture here, and then we have a, a whole variety of animals to talk about. So, Exodus chapter 10, verses 13 through 15. So Moses stretched out his staff over Egypt, and the Lord made an east wind blow across the land all that day and all that night. By morning the wind had brought the locusts. They invaded all Egypt and settled down in every area of the country in great numbers. Never before had there been such a plague of locusts, nor will there ever be again. They covered all the ground until it was black. They devoured all that was left after the hail, everything growing in the fields and the fruit on the trees. Nothing green remained on tree or plant in all the land of Egypt. Psalm chapter 78 verses 45 through 46. He sent among them swarms of flies which devoured them and frogs which destroyed them. He gave their crops to the destroying locust and the fruit of their labor to the locust. And this is Isaiah 7 verses 18 and 19. In that day the Lord will whistle for the fly that is at the end of the streams of Egypt, and for the bee that is in the land of Assyria, and they will come and settle in the steep ravines, in the clefts of the rocks, and on the thorn bushes, and on all the pastures. And we have, finally, Revelation, chapter 9, verses 7 to 10. In appearance the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold, their faces were like human faces, their hair like women's hair, and the teeth like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and stings like scorpions, and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. They have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek he is called Apollyon. All right, so our main topic tonight, as we said at the top of the show, is creepy crawlies. Um, Indeed. Basically, we're mm-hmm. talking about anything that in a uh, 80s show about children would have caused the girl character to go, ew. <laughs> and uh, yes, that's stereotypical, and that's kind of the point. We're talking about little stereotypical bugs and spiders and rats and mice, as we've talked about with <laughs> Jimmy and, and her house and my house a little bit. Uh, you know, and but also things like, you know, bats and sometimes possums and locusts, snakes, everything that people kind of go, ew, about. Yeah. yeah. Quick note here. Everybody has different responses to different critters. I suspect that when we talk, you will figure out the things that we find creepy and the things we don't. I forgot about snakes because I don't think of snakes as creepy in the slightest. It took me until the end of writing my notes for the show to remember, snakes, that's a thing. (laughs) Um, You know, just, I I don't. Meanwhile, lots about spiders. Says a lot Mm -hmm. about me. (laughs) Everything we talk about here should be broadly applicable, no matter what you use. Um, But obviously there will be some difference in the details we talk about. Just mm-hmm. keep that in mind, right? Yeah. Not, just because we happen to talk about, I don't know, armadillos or something doesn't mean that 
if you don't find armadillos creepy, you can't go, well, this episode is useless to me. Okay? Yeah. It's fine. I think we should maybe start off with two things. Firstly, this, like, bringing stuff like this into your game, this is where all the safety techniques come in. Yes. Because for me, I have recently learned, I've been reading a book called The Troop by Nick Cutter. It is about a parasite. It's about a, uh, a very scary parasite. I've found out that I can't handle uh, parasite books. <laughs> Very I well. can't either. I hate, like, it, it creeps me out. I like large. learning about real ones, but, like, hearing in d- excruciating detail, like, that particular type of body horror is deeply distressing to yeah, me. Yeah, it's why I couldn't watch Alien. Okay. Uh, I, for some reason, like, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it visually. But as soon as you describe it verbally, I, I yeah. run. <laughs> it's it's the helplessness of it in, yeah. um in alien that throws me okay yeah like like Um, the whole face hugger and like being the thing from the inside creeps me right out yeah Yeah. Uh, okay fun little aside my eight-year-old this week or last two weeks has been learning to play starcraft okay you know what you know what her favorite race is the zerg absolutely she loves them she thinks they're great she loves them she thinks they're cute and she loves mutalisks first off that's adorable and yes. second, I'm sitting here going, I know about the Tyranid. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of great. Um, <laughs> but yes, like she, she's super happy with that. And so, you know, I was talking about all this stuff and she's like, oh, that's super cool. I'm like, okay, you don't have any swick factor with these. And I fully expected you to. And I'm kind of proud of you. Good job. Because <laughs> yeah. she is a fairly anxious child. I've talked about that before. I kind of expected her to have a a little bit of anxiety with it she doesn't care yeah she loves bugs mm-hmm. anyway um, um so back to safety techniques yes this is if you intend to bring a lot of creepy crawlies into your game you need to bring that up at session zero because some people are going to get freaked out about it really really bad mm-hmm. you yeah. need to bring that up at session zero secondly a lot of these things are playing on the I, I almost don't want to call it an emotion, but like the urge of disgust. It is yeah. a thing that all humans have from birth. It's an instinct. It is an instinct and also an emotion. But it, it's one of those weird ones that sort of crosses over into a lot of, of different things. And there are a lot of different types of fear. There is disgust fear. And I think that is probably one of the more almost innocent forms of fear it's it's one of the base ones yeah a lot of these fears develop in the formative years of life so from age zero to about age eight uh i tried i tried doing some reading on disgust for for this episode the the book that i had turned out to be useless so i just went through my first year psychology notes on disgust like okay 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 so specifically for babies the disgust response is related to poison Mm-hmm. that's really cool like the the test that they did to to determine this was they put like newborn fresh like fresh from the womb babies they put different tastes on their tongue so like sweetness babies would smile sourness they'd pucker and bitterness would like they would gag they it was a very bitterness is always a very very strong 
re- like taste reflex, and and that's sort of related to the disgust reflex mm-hmm. um, and disgust fears. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting as you get older, so, you know, like certain kinds of bitterness are actually pretty nice, but it's mm-hmm. you got to work up to it. You yeah. do. Yep. All right. So we're t- given that we're talking about disgust and Jenny is absolutely correct about bringing this up at the table. Bear in mind that for a lot of people, things that will squick them out is something they can handle. But there are some real phobias and we'll talk about those in a little bit more detail later, but it's something you need to be aware of mm-hmm. um, if you're going to do a, a story like this, or especially featuring something in particular. Yeah, and I think this may also be a time to bring in the X card, because sometimes someone may suddenly realize they have a phobia that they didn't even know they had. Yeah, just kind so, of to it. Yep, I was going to say, just kind of a quick note there. It's actually usually better to have uh, what I call a filter and some breaks in your game. Mm-hmm. Um, a filter would be like lines and veils or the consent checklist that Monty Cook put out or some other way of discussing, you know, this is what we don't want in here up front. And then it breaks as a way of reacting to something that comes up suddenly that you can stop play. So that's the X card or script change or something like that. It's it's good to mm-hmm. have one set of each. And mm-hmm. yeah, any kind of horror elements like this, especially stuff that may set folks off if... Okay, so for instance, you can throw all the giant spiders that you want to at me. And I have. Yeah, (laughs) if you, if, yeah, that was probably the closest we got to a TPK in the early part of the colony game. Um, But there's something worse about, like you guys were talking about parasites and things, the idea that something else is like living inside you and stuff is just not great. So. If, you know, we went from, oh, the the spider is, you know, chomping at you with its giant mandibles and trying to stab you with its dagger-like feet. Sure, fine. It sticks an egg sac in you and you can feel it crawling through your, you know, no, nope, nope, nope. No, I'm no, not even no. going to let you finish that sentence. All right. There's three major types of pests that we're going to kind of be talking about. And we're going to be talking about these sort of throughout this whole episode. So I just kind of want to call this out so that there's no confusion about it. In stories, I and in genre fiction in particular, I see these three. There's stories about things that are genuinely dangerous, right? A venomous spider or scorpion, an insect, a snake, something like that. Plague-carrying rat, a crop-devouring locust, whatever, okay? All normal stuff. Yeah, malarial mosquito or... Second type, there are things that are not normally dangerous, but are popularly believed to be dangerous. Looking at you, great white sharks. Uh, looking <laughs> at you, flesh-eating swarms of piranhas. Uh, bats, 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 oh, bats. Huge one. I have such big opinions about bats and I'll get and into you them should. later. And you should. I'm 100% with you on that. Uh, tarantulas. Yeah, right? tarantulas are not a threat to humans. Pretty much yeah. full stop. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> they feel um, really nice too. I got the opportunity to hold one uh, when I was about seven because uh, th- there's a, a an organization local to here called Little Ray's Reptile Zoo, and they also do like arachnids, and they just generally try to destigmatize this kind sure. of thing. And and tarantulas are so soft. They're like My arachnophobia oh my goodness, says I absolutely refuse to hold these things. That's fair. That's understandable, and I don't yeah. blame you. But they're really, really soft. <laughs> Yeah. I always figured they'd be kind of like wiry and bristly just looking no, at no. them. No, It's so soft. That's huh. interesting. Hmm. And then, of course, there's the third version, which is the unnatural version of a normal creature, right? Yeah. Your giant the big insect. One. Uh, the evil psychic rat. 
uh, unusual swarms that are creepy, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this is your bat. flock of undead ravens or something. Yeah. The, thing, yeah. the thing made by a mad scientist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, if it's got, look, if it's on a sci-fi movie, we're talking about it here. All right? <laughs> Especially if it's if it's combined with a weather pattern, you know. Yeah. Tornado, yeah, spider exactly. cane, you know. Um, <laughs> the, what's interesting, though, is that cultural prejudices matter a ton here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we mentioned several Bible verses involving insects. Somebody did a quick count here. The Bible has about 50 references to various insects, depending on exactly how you count them. About 45 of those are negative. Three of the 10 plagues visited on Egypt in the book of Exodus are insects. And then there's frogs as a fourth. Um, do you want to hear my favorite thing about the frog plague? I do. Okay. Oh, so, this is um, good. I know where she's going. Yeah. So, uh... By some, <laughs> some scholars. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm gonna need this is a gonna minute. be really. I'm gonna good. leave the laughing in, just so you know. <laughs> okay, so some scholars, in some transcriptions, it's not written as frogs; it's written as frog. So, Egypt was plagued by. A frog, one big frog, <laughs> a gigantic some... <laughs> kaiju frog. Yeah. Why are we assuming Ribbit. it's giant? It could have just been really loud and hard to find. <laughs> it could have. It could have also been like just very fast and effective. But like this frog, <laughs> like I, I'm kind of picturing like a Looney Tunes style chase after one frog through like down the Nile. You know. <laughs> Yeah. It's like I'm hopping like, across the water on lily pads my, or something. My first week of working at, at the library, we were plagued by a cricket. We could not find it. It was awful. So yeah. I, maybe it was like that. That's kind of what I'm thinking here. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's that's my <laughs> Sure. Um, <laughs> even in the verse that Peter read here in uh, Isaiah... Right. Mm-hmm. We're just talking about the fly at the end of the streams of Egypt, the bee in the land of Assyria. That's talking about these as creatures that are normally very harmless. Right. Or at least very, you know, they, they can't really do lots of harm. But even the Lord is, you know, the Lord is going to turn even these into a danger and, you know, they will come and, and sweep them away because that's the might of the Lord. That's the kind of thing that, that's being used here. That's the reference. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you have, in, you know, insects as a very negative thing. By contrast, there are cultures where insects are much more accepted. Japan comes to mind for me in particular. They have the a, lucky crickets in the little cages. Um, that's China. That's China. Um, oh, think, you're right. It is. I'm yeah, sorry. Uh, I got China, my culture China also has has uh, bats as lucky. Yes. Um, hmm. Okay. Yep. So yeah. Japan has this fascination with insects that I've always kind of thought cool. I saw something in passing, in I think 2005, one of the big uh, convenience store chains, which are a bigger thing in Japan than in a lot of the rest of the world just because of how their culture and society has set things up. One of them ran like a big campaign with entomologists on cups as like a giveaway. Huh. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, cool. to be fair, Japan also has some really big bugs that they are do. also really cool. Yeah. Like those giant hornets are astonishing. The, I'm thinking specifically of, uh, oh, what are they, Hercules beetles, um, I think? They have, like, these big horns on them. Yes, those are the Hercules beetles, because we actually have Goliath beetles here. Mm. 
Uh, I have found one in my sink once, and that was terrifying because they <laughs> are literally as big as my hand. Mm-hmm. Wow. They're enormous. I mean, they're called Goliath for a reason. They are yeah. very large. I thought I had a rat in the sink. Whew. Yeah. yeah. Was that the week when we discovered the giant wood beetle in the colony game? <laughs> uh, no, no, it wasn't. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, this is cultural. Obviously, there are, there are some cultures where people eat various different insects. We were talking about tarantulas mm-hmm. earlier. I was watching something uh, where kids uh, in the rainforest in certain tribal cultures in South America will go out and just hunt tarantulas and roast them and eat them as just a snack. Full of protein. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Like, like bugs are really, really big in protein. Like mm-hmm. they are, and, so and the fact that that we don't regularly just sort of eat them mm-hmm. is par- partly because bugs can carry a disease, but also, of I mean, so can cows, so can pigs, so can pretty much any other protein. So can vegetables, animal. for that matter. Yeah, vegetables. I mean. um, yep. So, so yeah, no, I think it's it's largely a cultural thing that we don't eat them, even though they're like. Mm-hmm. nutritious sure and some of it is you know uh convenience of other forms of protein etc mm-hmm. certainly mm-hmm. but that's it is very cultural so that's something to keep in mind and that's something you can use to sort of highlight particular contrasts there are creepy things that have a lot of very surprising uses there was a story uh, a week ago sorry time is time is an illusion this year um <laughs> about a rat in oh goodness where was it um i actually have the article i'll put a a link to this article in the show notes in cambodia the this particular rat was trained to sniff out explosives and detected dozens of landmines so i i believe there to be a bomb sniffing rat foster not fostering uh sponsoring program Mm -hmm. uh it is not in Asia. I believe it's an African nation. But yeah, uh, yes, can... this rap came from Africa originally. Yeah. So that could be where it's from. Mm-hmm. Um, medical maggots are used to eat away dead flesh in certain uh, scenarios. Leeches are used for actual medical treatments at times still. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a bunch of these sorts of things. Uh, obviously, there's lots. People know that certain insects and other creepy crawlies are good for crops and other things, uh, you know, just plants that sort of thing uh, and even all, even beyond that they're often key factors in ecosystems oh and 100%. if something awful starts happening to them then we Bees. really need to pay attention and start you know helping them out yes um, pollinating insects like bees and butterflies in particular and yeah. wasps i hate to yeah. say it but wasps wasps yeah. are actually important and unfortunately we do need them yeah um, i know my parents have a yellow jacket infestation in the wall of their garage oh, oh, lovely they just yeah they had to get that taken care of this this last week it's been a oh, weirdly awful. buggy week and a half for me oh yeah um all right um but anyway these, these are things that are creepy for a lot of people but they have surprising uses so that's something to keep in mind and i bring that up because in large part because there's this very common schlocky horror sci-fi trope of the scientist surrounded by dangerous creatures in cages who's obsessed with those creatures and is declaiming their useful properties to the protagonist right before they like turn into one or cause a giant one to appear or whatever right they create the problem of the story Mm -hmm. you know whether this is like literally the lizard from spider-man or 
I don't know, again, anything on sci-fi. And I mentioned this because this is really good foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Okay? I know we often suggest turning things on their heads. Lean into this one. It's delightful. Everybody likes playing the mad scientist. Everybody likes looking <laughs> around the mad scientist lab going, well, you technically haven't done anything wrong, but I'm now very suspicious, and I think it's going to be you. You're the problem, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, you know, you can throw in a twist, but it's, it's just, it's real fun. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether you throw in a twist or not, that's that's a fun scene. Yeah. So, so I guess when we're talking about these things, when we're talking about in games, you can certainly use dangerous animals just as dangerous animals. I've done that plenty of times. That's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It's good for newbies to sort of get them... Like, a really easy target. Yeah. Like, again, this is going to differ depending on, on culture and stuff, but, like, giant spiders are such a mainstay, and mm-hmm. pretty much everyone knows that, like, the GM's not going to get mad at you for hitting them most no. of the time, especially if you're, like, level one just starting out. Well, no, I mean, you can, we've you can started, punch a spider. We've started two City on a Hill campaigns with a fight against giant stinging insects. Both giant wasps, <laughs> in fact, yes. Yeah. I, I the invented cliff wasps and yours, and then just regular giant regular wasps giant out of the wasp, yeah. monster manual and Ryan's. Yeah, uh, I just because we were starting at higher level, I took some like fiendish wasps out of something somewhere and toned them down slightly, made them less fiendish. <laughs> and oh, look, giant wasps of a different type that are meaner. Cool, doom bug. <laughs> but that's the thing. I, I think th- you made a really good point there, talking about how no one cares if these get beat up. That's one of the really valuable things about these. These are pests in most scenarios. Literal pestilence. To fight them. Mm -hmm. Well, and wasps and hordants don't really have much motivation beyond I'm a sting you. I'm a sting you right now. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Like to us directly, wasps are literally just like pain. That's all they do directly for us. Bees give us honey. That's right. Bees. We'll not just sting you for fun. That's Wasps right. Will. There's a big difference between a monster manual giant bee and a monster manual giant wasp. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Having said that, one of the cool things you can do is take something that is not traditionally culturally assigned as gross and then cast them in that role. And one of the easiest ways to do that is highlight the utter weirdness that is most insects, all right? Some of them are just weird. We talked about ants in our lawful neutral episode. Just play around with giant ants, okay? Have you guys Uh, seen, like, the the videos about, like, the ant wars that are going on? What? Uh, Sorry, I played some ant. What? Yeah, apparently, like, uh, it... I saw a science video some number of months ago, and this just kind of came up as we were talking. But yeah, like there's a couple different types of ant that are in like these massive land wars with each other in huh. South and Central America for the most part, I think. Okay, that that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. 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 Ants um, are weird. Ants are very weird. <laughs> Before this, epi- uh, this episode, Chrissy and I were talking about the Atlas moth. The, the Atlas moth, for those who don't know, this is the biggest moth in the world. It is born as a caterpillar out of the egg and then, of course, cocoons and turns into a moth. The moth does not have a mouth. 
Once it's born, it has no way to gain sustenance whatsoever. Everything that powers it comes from its time eating as a caterpillar. To the point where females will lay still and wait for mates because every flight that this moth takes costs it a costs it a day of its life out of like a one to two week lifespan. Yeah. Bugs are weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bugs are weird. They and also often get... have really complicated, intricate societal systems mm-hmm. that are a really good source for societies and games. Like, Peter, you made a really good one with, with the the scary wasps. Yeah. And... Oh, you're talking about Alcova with the... In, in the motorcycle game, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's Alcova. Absolutely. I was reading something a long time ago talking about parasitic wasps in general mm-hmm. and how uh, entomologists are kind of beginning to discover that every time they discover a new species of beetle, it turns out there's a parasitic wasp specifically evolved to live in that beetle. Huh. They found one that is... So incredibly small, when it reaches adulthood, it has to jettison its brain. Oh my god. Wow. Because <laughs> it's seriously only like 90 cells long. Oh my goodness gracious. That's it's bizarre. Incredible. But it is, in fact, a wasp. Wowzers. Yeah. And, and it's just fascinating, right? The, the the whole world of insects is utterly bizarre. And so if you take these things and kind of scale them up or really focus on them or project those qualities onto something else, you can easily take something that's perfectly normal seeming and make it seem really weird, right? And mm-hmm. that and what the wonderful thing about weird is that that's very gameable. Yeah. Yeah. B- uh, bizarrification. I'm sure that's a real word, but I just came up with it in my head. Uh, there's, I know what you're talking about. There's a, a particular. Yeah. It's sort of the same thing we do when we talk about a perfectly common occurrence in real uh, in defamiliarization, where yeah. you t- uh, you take this this common occurrence and defamiliarize it by talking about it in really weird ways or mm-hmm. kind of re-describing it as if it's a, a, an outsider you've never seen this before. It's pretty much yeah. the whole concept that that strange planet webcomic runs on. Yeah, exactly. Mm. That's a wonderful way to, to approach this because you're taking something that is real and de- kind of presenting it in such a way that people go, oh, well, now everything is kind of weird now. Yeah. Right. There are a lot of things that you can do this with that are not coded as gross, but once you do kind of introduce these as a genre, man, they can feel super duper weird. Mm-hmm. You know, late, if you have giant ladybugs herding uh, flocks of little aphids <laughs> or, you know, in, in eating them or giant ants milking uh, insects for their, their nectar you know, giant fireflies or, you know, unnatural swarms of praying mantises. You just take these basic things and scale them up or, you know, bring them to people's attention. It'll get weird Okay, fast. so you actually mentioned a few things that I'd kind of like to, to go through. And, like, there are certain things that are not coded as gross in our culture that you'll you'll see that you can kind of get a little extra mileage out of using because... You can either create a conflict or you can create a sense that something is weird but not bad. Mm-hmm. So the, the obvious one is butterflies, right? 
Like yeah. butterflies mm-hmm. for the most part are are seen as just kind of a very benign insect. They're pretty. Yeah. They don't make mm-hmm. noise. They don't bite or sting, you know. They don't they smell. Pollinate. Well, they they can smell bad on mass, but generally they don't smell bad. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Ladybugs. Yep, ladybugs. Yeah. I was just going to say, though, it's interesting to contrast butterflies with moths and how much yeah. just a particular, just the appearance can really change how we treat things. Because moths have a very different cultural signifier. Yeah, but they also, they will eat my books. I'm sorry, Grant. Like, this they, is they where are I'm more like, of a pest. Like, they are a little more of a pest. They You're are right. a, a, bit, a fair amount more of a pest. I've been having to deal with them a lot this year. They've been flocking to my library for no reason that okay. I you know what? can understand. That's fair. That's they're fair. a pain in my butt right now. <laughs> Sounds like they're more a pain in your bookshelves. Hey. Hey. Uh, okay. Specifically the Just book to drop. quickly get through the rest of this list. Um, yeah. Ladybugs, fireflies, praying mantises are kind of an interesting one. Some people think they're gross. Some of them don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're the basis of at least one clan in L5R, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. They're, they're kind of seen as a um, formidable but yeah. they've yeah. got they've got a certain like warriory quality to them that mm-hmm. that sees them used as like unit insignias and oh yeah that's you see lots of things thing. as mantids I, mantises that kind i'm of afraid yeah. of them in the same way that i'm afraid of like jackals at night or or a, a direct threat to me rather than a threat in terms of disease or grossness like i don't see them as gross i just see them as really scary and pinchy yeah, yeah. <laughs> that um, bug will mess you up yeah, yeah. Uh, there are a bunch of these absolutely yeah. um yeah. i, I want to hit a couple other specific ones though because i think this is this is worth talking about um we've talked about bees already honeybees bumblebees dragonflies are another one that can be interesting and you'll you'll see those used uh, dragonflies in particular will get used as like a pattern to base other things on so you'll mm-hmm. you'll see them used to like make the form of certain sci-fi vehicles sometimes uh drones will also get kind of modeled after dragonflies so that's kind of an interesting one uh, yeah. using using something that's got kind of a natural shape and then making it unnatural in some way can be kind of interesting too because it's like well why did why did they make this drone look like a bug instead of just like a little quadcopter or something like that? There's a reason behind that, right? You've got certain types of spiders, like you know, we mentioned tarantulas earlier, which are kind of a your mileage may vary. Peacock spiders are often very cute, especially in uh, videos. We'll see like caterpillars are often coded as cute, even if they're kind of like the fuzzy ones are usually are, but like even just the regular kind of green ones, because you know they turn into butterflies. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a certain cultural set of these things that are seen uh, that are either known to be beneficial or known to be harmless or resemble something else that looks you know kind of like something else like the the fuzzy caterpillars or kind of remind you of other small fuzzy animals that aren't dangerous and you you've got some stuff to play with there on the the mammal front um mice and moles and other small rodents are usually coded as cute rather than creepy although um, <laughs> star-nosed moles and naked mole rats, not so much. Those are True. often scaled up and made into something nasty. Uh, fish yeah. are often... Although I did uh, just check out from the library a wonderful book about naked mole rats for kids. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, 
You can find books about all of these things for kids, right? I mean, how many bug books did you read as a little boy, Grant? I read tons. Fair number. Fair number. Yeah. Uh, if, if you're looking for a, a new series about weird, creepy stuff for, for kids, uh, check out Elise Gravel's stuff. Uh, she's a, a Canadian illustrator who's recently done a bunch of kids' books, like kids' fact books about, about creepy crawlies and generally creepy things. Very good stuff. 10 out awesome. of 10, do recommend. Yeah. And then, like I was starting to say, uh, fish are often coded as kind of gross or scary, although you'll get exceptions, you know, mm, koi fish, often yeah. aren't, yeah, tropical fish. Um, I mean, they made a whole movie about those, the, right? Finding the Nemo. deeper, <laughs> the deeper into the ocean you go, the more uh, likely they are to be coded oh, as yeah, gross like or scary. Anglerfish and monkfish are two of the scariest looking things you will ever see in your life. Like uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> catfish in, occupy this very interesting middle ground on that because they can either be sort of this wise old catfish, or they can just be terrifying, especially if you go back into more medieval fiction. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I mean, of course, we we mentioned sharks earlier. You know, those are mm-hmm. like the apex predator of the sea. I mean, the the problem I have with throwing sharks in this category that I don't have with other things like anglerfish and they're, they're not really they're pests. Big. Yeah, no, it's just pests. that they're big. Like a, a great white shark can be very very large, and even some of the like the smaller ones, you're you're looking at like a medium sized dog sized fish in a lot uh-huh. of cases. Oh yeah, I, like, I, yeah. I mean, sharks. yeah, there are There's tiny sharks little sharks that are like the size of your forearm out and, there. But oh, there yeah. there's some that are hand size and glow in the dark deep down in the in the midnight zone of the ocean, which is yeah. delightful. Mm-hmm. Sharks, but yeah, are you're right. The, For me, they don't they yeah. almost don't qualify because, as I said, they aren't really considered pests. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're not talking about tigers in this either, right? I mean, yeah, those exactly. are incredibly yeah. dangerous, but it's an apex predator, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're talking about creepy crawlies. Yeah. So speaking of, let's talk about how we use these in stories. We kind of started touching on things a little bit here and there, but let's really focus on this. Yeah. Okay. So the first thing I want to hit is set dressing, because I, I think... Best use. Um, yeah. The, it's one of the, one of the best ways. Um, so flies in particular are usually associated with death specifically. Um, the sound of them buzzing in a lot of fiction like, is kind of a signifier of corpses and foul play, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if you're walking through the, the forest and you suddenly hear that buzzing fly sound, especially in a movie, something bad has happened over there, you know? Yeah. It, not to get t- too big into this, because this was pretty grim and gruesome, but... A large number of flies, and I do mean a large number of flies, was one of the things that made the Battle of Gallipoli in World War One so bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are interested in kind of the details of that, I would suggest the excellent blueprint for Armageddon series from Hardcore History that we've referenced before. I believe Gallipoli is in episode three. So, right. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we should maybe mention, if nothing else, Beelzebub. Yep. Lord of the Flies. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that that gets it gets a lot of mention for a reason. Yeah, uh, cockroaches. Um, and, and, oh, yeah, sorry, well, go ahead. Uh, the one thing I want to point out is that that that's also got some well, slightly more modern connotations with lying, right? The buzzing of flies as a, mm-hmm. a noise that doesn't really mean anything, mm-hmm. um, hmm. which is an interesting signifier as well. Yeah, yeah. but you, when we're talking about decay, cockroaches, yep. very true. Spiders, the the whole, you know, decayed thing of like spider webs 
that are around. Yeah, especially yeah. like the the wrapped up prey and stuff. Like those yeah. are that's really creepy. Sort of. I think of that more as a sign of neglect than a sign of decay. Yeah, I think, I think the two can be connected for sure. But for me, the primary signifier is neglect or abandonment. Yeah, abandonment is more decay. what I'm thinking of. But like the decay of this is no longer an inhabited place. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You can see some of these as signs of renewal. Yep. You know, things coming back to life. Pests, obviously, we've, we've used the word pest a lot, but these are things that are just annoying. And if you're yeah, using them, gnats a... aren't dangerous, but boy, is running through a cloud of them ever unpleasant. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think it's fun to kind of use those at times. It's one of those things that doesn't mechanically do anything, but. I mean, if, if you're going through the woods and you want to indicate, hey, player characters, you're uncomfortable, describe them as beset by flies and mosquitoes and little gnats yeah. and that sort of thing. And they will spend, the, I trust me, your players will spend the entire session figuring out how to drive the flies off. Yeah. Yeah. Another uh, just kind of annoyance one out there, uh, cicadas. They can get so incredibly loud at night. Mm-hmm. I think that's um, one that we don't use enough. Like, we talk about, like, little biting flies as a pest form. Bugs are noisy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Crickets are noisy. Cicadas are noisy. Frogs are extremely noisy. hmm You can be... It, just the idea that you can't sleep because it's loud is one of those things that can really be intensely frustrating. And just mm-hmm. also little weird sounds can be a super creepy thing to throw in, right? Um, I would recommend. Oh no, I can't remember the title of it. Night, night in the world, night in the wild. It's a. Let me do a quick Google. Well, um, while you're looking that up, um, <clears throat> there's there's actually like a little reference to this in the Emperor's New Groove. They're kind ah. of out in the wilderness and they hear like, you know, this fly getting eaten by a spider. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, yeah. 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 Uh, <clears throat> Night on Earth. Night on Earth is a documentary series on Netflix about stuff that happens in the world at night. Um, it's very good. It's so good. There is a type of nocturnal desert mouse out there that that basically hunts scorpions eats them and when it's done it screams <laughs> wow it's loud it can be I'm heard i'm making a note yeah like they they are just these these wreckers these wrecking machines and they're tiny and then when they have asserted their dominance over you know their two square feet of desert they scream like they it's like a musical singing scream that is delightful bizarre and slightly terrifying and like hearing it i would never have guessed that it came from a mouse it's it would have sounded creepy as all get out Mm, Um, i bet also i know what's going in the city on a hill game soon (laughs) (laughs) screaming desert mice (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) absolutely also jenny i have to confess as soon as you said there's a type of desert mouse my brain went oh yeah the moadib (laughs) (laughs) i forgot i forgot dune is not my favorite thing so it's not mine either but it immediately came to mind (laughs) yeah hazards we got to talk about these there are bugs that are genuinely 
dangerous and maybe not necessarily going to kill you, but they will mess you up. Oh, yeah. You know, fire ants kill people around here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, if you step in a nest, people die of hornet and bee stings and wasp stings all the time, mostly because of allergies, but sometimes you just get stung so badly, your body kind of goes into shock. We don't even need to talk about the diseases spread by mosquitoes. Yeah, malaria and West Nile are bad. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise, tsetse flies that spread disease are real gross. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll also say, even if they don't kill you, like, I, I am not allergic to bees. Mm-hmm. But every time I have gotten stung by a bee, the swelling is, like, around the area is more than average. So mm-hmm. it, it it can it can really mess you up. Oh, yeah. Um, you okay, get by, so, like, a brown recluse, it will cause you intense pain for yeah. a long time. Oh, yeah. And necrosis of the flesh, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so real quick story from my young adult years. Um, I was out mowing the lawn, and my parents... When they uh, bought the house, they had like these old, poorly tended fruit trees, like way out in the back of the backyard. And these things would, you know, drop a bunch of like hard, unpleasant fruit, and then it would just be swarming with wasps all fall. Mm. I accidentally mowed over like a pear that was all full of these things. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, the no, swarm no, came no. after me and I got stung. I think it was seven or eight times before I got into the house. Oh, gosh. My leg itched for four days or something mm-hmm. like that. And I was 19 or something like that at the time. I was young. Um, and I'm not particularly allergic to much of anything, really, maybe a little pollen. But um, yeah, that was that was very unpleasant. Yeah. Fun fact, last time I got stung by a bee, that was how I found out I had high arches because I stepped on a bee. And all Ooh. of a sudden, my shoes fit my left foot. Oh, oh my. That's that's a thing. Yep. yep. <laughs> so obviously the, the big thing here that we got to talk about here is the classic trope of scaling these up. We talked yeah. about giant spiders, right? The, the only thing scarier than a spider is a giant spider. Yeah. Right? The only thing scarier than a, a snake is a giant snake. Only thing scarier than a tardigrade is a giant tardigrade. Thanks, Star Trek. You're great. Yeah, yeah thanks for that. <laughs> awesome. I also want to throw one other thing in here that that is from kind of personal experience. So... Last summer, which feels like an eon ago, but it was it was literally just last summer, we had a very, very, thank goodness, minor bedbug infestation here. I remember that, yeah. We managed to contain it to one room, which was several rooms away from our bedroom, thank goodness. We used all kinds of stuff. We managed to eradicate the infestation. It was fine. But as part of doing our research about what to do about these horrible things... We found out that bedbug infestations can actually be so bad that they give people PTSD. I am unsurprised. Because you do not feel safe in your own bed. Yeah. That's like one of the prime symptoms of PTSD. And it's like, it's literally one of everybody's worst fears to come to life. It's... And there's no way to process it properly because you're not sleeping properly. And you process most things through sleep. So yeah, that is, I, it is a cool fact. And like, I'm instantly like, oh, but of course. But yeah, of course that, was, they would. that was kind of our reaction too. So yeah, that definitely turned up the motivation to make sure that they didn't get to the rooms that we occupied on a regular basis. Right. Yeah. Um, finally, obviously there's some classic horror tropes 
that involve a lot of these sorts of creepy crawlies. Uh, mm-hmm. yep. Willard, the psychic rat that drives a, a dude insane, right? The, the fly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cl- classic body horror. There's lots of lots and lots and lots of, you know, snake people horror yeah. or you know, oh, that yeah. kind of the thing. Um, and this stuff, is a thing yeah. this is a thing a lot in uh Shadowrun. Um insect totem uh oh yeah magic yeah, music. yeah. oh yeah they're real nasty and the 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 insect spirits and the the hives were a huge yeah. like first and second edition shadow run bad guy kind mm-hmm. of behind the scenes yeah and very creepy that gets into the whole parasitism thing yeah very heavily and is real gross mm-hmm. these are wonderful things to include Mm-hmm. I can tell I, you I have I, one particular set of visuals that if you can take it is very good here. The mosquito based vampires in the Crimson Court DLC for Darkest Dungeon. Oh, yeah. Are real creepy. y'all. <laughs> yeah. Um, you don't even have to play the game. You can just look up the wikis and stuff. But yeah, those are mm-hmm. those are interesting because it's like enlightenment nobles mixed with mosquitoes and terrifying ways mm-hmm. it reminds me of edward gory a lot like yeah. even more so than the rest of darkest dungeon which can get somewhat edward gory-ish yeah mm. there's definitely that influence there for sure i can see that so anyway we've talked about things that exist i gotta say uh, i have used giant insects a great deal in my D games for a couple of reasons we talked about this earlier nobody feels bad about beating up a giant spider Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's one of the big valuable things. Fighting giant locusts, no one cares. Fighting giant mantises, no one cares. If they aren't cute animals, by and large, people do not care about them. And in fact, in a lot of cases, people go, boy, it feels good to squish that spider. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, give them some special abilities, however, and they can genuinely be terrifying. Uh, mm-hmm. The closest i'm not gonna say the closest we came to a tpk but the the one time that i think the party was genuinely scared in the colony game was when i had a phase spider chasing them yeah that was real scary (laughs) now here's the thing about phase spiders they're not that tough okay the i i had a phase they were dealing with a spider guy uh what are they called Ettercap. yeah which is a a thing that creates spiders and kind of uh, herds spiders around. And I had a Ettercap appear on the island and sort of infest it. And there were giant spiders in a particular section of the island. And they, the party had to go deal with that. And along the way, there was a phase spider. Now, the party at this point was oh, four, five, something like that. I think we might have only been like three or something. No, was... I don't think so. You, you, were, you were higher level than that. Okay. And I know that because phase spider appeared attacked someone, did a lot of damage, and then one person hit it very hard. The face spider was like, nope, none of that, because it literally, <laughs> it literally lost 80% of its hit points in one, in one shot. <laughs> yeah, the, that was, that was our fighter at the time who was very damaging, I believe. Yes. But here's the thing. It then phased out and everybody went, where is it? For the next 45 minutes, the entire part, and 45 minutes of real time, the entire party desperately raced along, trying to find a cave or something, wedged themselves into a crevice, and cowered. (laughs) 
Yeah. Despite the fact like, that they had back to the wall, back to the wall. So hard, this face spider went, nope, and got out of there because it's an animal. And it said, I really don't want any sort of prey that hurts me that badly. No, thank you. <laughs> not prey, not prey. <laughs> um, but they didn't know that because... The only thing worse than a giant sp- than a spider is a spider you lost track of. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. And a face spider is the ultimate version of that. It disappeared right in front of you and could pop out from anywhere in space. Yeah, yeah, that was. So, uh... And that's that's kind of the thing. The, that's maybe something we should we should highlight. The worst sort of pest is not the giant pest or the gross pest, but the one that's in the walls or. Uh-huh. The one that you know you lost track of under the bed, right? Mm-hmm. Those are awful. Yeah. I started having insect dreams when um, an ant fell out of the ceiling and just brushed past my face. Mm. And it was in my bed. And it took me a while to find it. I was not afraid of ants until that moment. I was maybe 14. Like, this yeah. wasn't even, like, formative years. I now have drowning in insects dreams. Oh. Yep. Um, when I was fairly young, I had a pet gerbil that had a bad habit of escaping its cage. Mm. And I had one of the worst nightmares I ever had of this, like, clawed spider crawling up me. Turns oh. out it was just, it was the, the gerbil crawling up onto my face. <laughs> the, the, way the, that I first, <laughs> the way that I first described, the first time we ever had a mouse in this house, I would have been about 16 or so. And I went upstairs the next day and I was just like, I had not slept well and it was clear. And my parents were like, what happened? And I was like, I had this nightmare about a wave of spiders crashing through the air vents right above my bed. And they were like, mm. oh, we have a mouse. Because <laughs> that's what it sounds like. It's yeah. like the skittering. It sounds like a wave of spiders. They, they are skittery. They oh, make yeah. strange noises. And it's, oh, it's yeah. only amplified by like air ducts and that sort of thing. So yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna suggest something that you are not going to thank me for. Oh, boy. Mixed trypophobia with insects. Trypophobia would be a hard one to do in an RPG because it's visual. Yeah. yeah. I have I have trypophobia. I actually have it pretty bad. It would be very hard to trigger that specifically for the listeners at home. A game. Trypophobia is a fear of unnatural looking holes. Yep. Um, Particularly clusters of small ones together. Clusters of small holes. Don't, if you think you might have it, don't Google it. Yeah. A lot of people have this, and it's a thing that a lot of people don't know they have until they see, like, um, oh, what is it? A poppy pod, I think. Uh, lotus pod, that, actually. Lo- lotus pod, lotus pod. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lotus pods trigger a lot of people's trypophobia. Um, the new design of iPhone camera triggered a lot of people's trypophobia. Interesting. Yeah, because it was a cluster of three camera lenses. Yeah, that idea of, like, little clusters of things is what tricks yeah. people out because it's like, oh, that's an infestation. Yeah. Something is going to jump out at me like a barnacle or something like that. Like, barnacles yeah. are really, ugh, they, they gross me out. I will also say, trypophobia is probably one of the safest fears to trigger because it's often not very strong. Hmm. Um, Almost everybody has it in some way or another, but 
it's not it's not the worst. I don't have nightmares about trypophobia. I'm, I'm sure some people do, but I don't. It's not the same type of fear that I have about, say, like cockroaches or parasites yeah. or stuff the, like that. The thing um, about it that kind of makes it scary is the idea that all those little holes are filled with like insect eggs or stinging insects or that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, like a, a, the, the stereotypical thing is like a beehive, right? All of those yeah. little hexagons and any one of them could have either like a gross larva or something that could come out and sting you. Yeah. 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 I will say uh, my trypophobia is not triggered by, by beehives at no. all. And it's, I don't it's... have it. I'm one of the rare people that I can stare at like the the lotus blossoms like photoshopped onto people's arms and stuff all day and be like, eh, okay. <laughs> uh, no, I can't. I can't. The, the first uh, instance I saw of it was someone, it was a picture of somebody who had been kneeling on frozen peas for a bunch of minutes. So it was like, it wasn't a Photoshop thing. It was actually a staged thing. Yeah, it was a staged thing. It was it was uh, it was bad. Hmm. It was very bad. Um, and, and that can, that kind of thing, it's it's hard to bring into games because it is so visual. But if you can sort of bring up the idea of it, more power to you. I have no idea how I would do that. <laughs> I think you can just um, paint a picture in people's minds. Yeah. You know, like, oh, yeah, there's lots of little tiny. If it's one of those things where you just kind of point it out. Oh, yeah, there's lots of little tiny holes here in the wall. Oh, there's lots of little mm. tiny holes in the floor. People will immediately imagine the worst possible thing, especially yeah. if you have set the stage, right? Yeah. Uh, and come up with something that is going to be in those, and then you can go, oh, there's nothing there, or, oh, that was a good idea. Uh, yeah, that's totally there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note... Yeah, so I, I want to wrap up just by saying... We don't have some big overarching message in this episode other than perhaps, hey, use pests in your games. Remember that they're there. Also, and bats are good. Bats are good. And bats, bats are good. Bats and bees are good. Don't kill them. They're fine. So are possums. Yeah. Possums, possums are, are really, really good. <clears throat> yes, they eat an enormous number of ticks. So yes, are spiders also, generally. They're also if the spider super, can't kill you, you probably yeah. shouldn't be killing it. Possums yeah. are also super duper resistant to rabies. So like mm -hmm. they probably aren't going to give you disease directly. And they're cute. They're just yeah. little little triangles on yep. circles with a every, at the uh, end. Every possum uh, eats about 2,000 ticks a year. Yeah. Wow. They're, they're great. They're tick eating machines. Mm -hmm. They also, I believe they sometimes eat carrion, but they eat a lot of ticks. Uh, yeah, they they are scavengers. They'll also yeah. eat small things that have ticks on them. Mm -hmm. So, always important. Anyway, uh, the big message here is not so much we have a theory of how you should use these, but rather go ahead and use them. Remember that they exist. Remember that they are around. And when you're describing scenes, don't forget them. Yeah. Or if you're going to highlight something that is squicky, Instead of coming up with some real gory horror thing, consider pests Bugs. and <laughs> lay them out and make that a centerpiece because it's a little more relatable than these walls are flesh or some other gross thing. It's like, hey, there's just a lot of bugs in these walls. That's something we can relate to faster and more and will make more people go, Ugh, no, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And also a reminder, because these things are real, I feel like they are more likely to be a trigger for a lot of people. So yes. Proceed Get with buy in, you know, have have your safety mechanics in place, but because they are closer to that and 
it's not that you're playing with fire exactly, but you're going to get a reaction even from people who don't have like a genuine debilitating fear. And they're like, no, I do not want this in the game or some other reason for not wanting it in the game. And they say, no, this is out. I have no problem with a story about most insects, but it, you know, if we're doing a horror game, it will squick me out in a good way. I'll get that reaction. I promise. It's tough. But there's a lot you can do with these. I don't want you to forget them. Remember that they are a fun horror element and should be worked in. And I think that's all we really have to say about that. Mm -hmm. Yep. I was going to say this is a short episode, but I'm looking at our recording time and it was not. (laughs) Shorter than Uh, the last couple, at least. uh, Yes. Not saying a lot there, though. This is the first one in the last four that hasn't been pushing two hours. So (laughs) through that. Okay. Uh. If you want to find out more, we're doing a sort of informal series about a bunch of these. So if this is your first episode, go to stgcast.org or savingthegamepodcast.org or iTunes or Stitcher or Podchaser or Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, whatever it is. Go there. Look up Saving the Game. You'll find all of our past episodes there. If you go to stgcast.org, though, you'll also find Peter's blog posts that he does every week. We don't release an episode. Uh, and they are fantastic. You'll find a link to all of our past episodes. You'll find a link to our Discord, which is full of amazing people. Uh, And of course, you'll find links to our social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter as Saving the Game. We've gotten a bunch of follows recently, a bunch of people saying, oh, this is my favorite, you know, one of my favorite podcasts, or hey, these are podcasts I think you should recommend. And it's a big list of a lot of excellent podcasts, and we are in august company when we are mentioned on there. Yeah, no um, kidding. Mm-hmm. Some of those other ones are really good. But, you know, I'm glad we're in that conversation, and thank you everyone who's called us, who's mentioned us in those lists. It's greatly appreciated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing I will also plug, if you go to cityonahillgaming.com, you'll find an actual play that Peter and I are part of this season and that all three of us were a part of last season. It's uh, a wonderful D&D actual play series. And yes, there's there's wasps and other other bugs and other yeah. pests. <laughs> and it's a lot of fun. Grant is GMing this one. So this is <laughs> usually the, the person who GMs is our friend Ryan Felton. He did mm-hmm. the first two seasons and it's his podcast, but he wanted a chance to actually play. So he recruited Grant to GM and we've been having a lot of fun with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's been great fun and I'm looking forward to continuing it. Same. Uh, so yeah, definitely check that out. And I think on that note, we will go ahead and wrap this one up. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have yourselves a good one. Good luck. Take care of yourselves. And we'll catch you next time. See ya. See you later, folks. This has been a production of Saving the Game. All episodes are produced and published under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution share-alike license. Our logo is by Ruben Smith Zimple of 3d6design.com. Our music is The Promised Place Beyond the Clouds by James Opie. You can find more of his music at nihilore.com. To hear our past episodes, to find syndication and license details, to connect with our fantastic listener community, or to contact us or support our show through Patreon, visit our website at stgcast.org or savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless, do good, and happy gaming.